So this house that we look after and invite people to and, and, and welcome people to and, and all this, what is this house really? And, and what is the DNA that makes it? We've been told that we are the church. We're, we're the believers. The, the, the church is not a building. It's, it's us. We've been told this. The Bible makes it very clear. And the foundation of that house, the foundation of our DNA, is our belief in Jesus. So then, let me submit to you this thought. This house that we inhabit is, in fact, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what we have in common. Our belief in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So the house is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. What we're really seeking here is for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be a part of our DNA, an integral part of us that eclipses what we are in every situation. When I went to the government-allowed church in China, Guangzhou International Christian Fellowship, we had 50 different nationalities from around the world and every denomination you can think of, and ones that I'd never heard of before. It was a little bit of a taste of what heaven will be like when we all get there. And they asked me to join the preaching team there. And this is what they told me. They said, we disagree on many things, so preach Jesus. We all agree about Jesus. Preach Jesus. Our core DNA is Jesus. So Jesus was the core of everything that we did. God reaching down to us. So let me flip it. Own the gospel and you'll look after it and make sure it is preached correctly. Own the gospel and you'll invite people to hear it. Own the gospel and people will feel welcomed by it. If it's part of your DNA and exactly who you are, all of those things will flow. Let's have a look at Romans 1, 16-17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I have to say that again. I can't get through that bit without getting chills. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from face to face. As it is written, but the righteous one will live by faith. And you can render that last bit, the righteous one will live by faith. You can also render it as, but the one who is righteous by faith shall live. There's a process contained in the verse, as well as a whole host of fantastic promises. Reflect on this when you review this sermon over the week. I haven't got the time now to do this verse justice. Look at it again. So it is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If you then tie this in with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, we go from there to all the peoples of the earth, every language group that's out there. 
And this means we need to present the gospel in a way that different cultures understand. I remember being told once, when you're out there on the mission field, don't talk about God because God could mean Buddha. God could mean all sorts of different things. Preach Jesus. It's more specific. And that brings me to my thought for this week. We've had own the gospel and you'll look after it and make sure it is preached correctly. We've had own the gospel and you'll invite people to hear it. We've got own the gospel and people will feel welcomed by it. Own the gospel and you will make it relevant. Own the gospel and you will make it relevant. And we need to be relevant because if we are irrelevant, then people do not see their need for Jesus. They just look there and they go, that's your thing. It's got nothing to do with me. We have to bring it home. We have to show that it is relevant to every single person on the planet. If we invite people and make them feel welcome, but they leave not realizing their need for Jesus, then they leave still facing judgment. And none of us wants that. You see, being welcome is not necessarily synonymous or the same as feeling comfortable. Before I turned my heart to Jesus, I did not feel comfortable around Christians. They were different. I knew they had something. And it was that very thought that actually led me to the point of realizing that I needed something too. Normally we do this at the end, but I don't want to wait. Do you need Jesus? Do you know that there's something missing? Are you looking at the world? Are you looking at your future? Are you looking at the end of it all and thinking, I need something and I don't have it? Come to Jesus today. Ask him and he will not turn you away. And I pray that right now, if you're in that situation, wherever you are, that you just take that wonderful prayer that was shown to us just before, and you say, God, I just want you to be part of my life. Jesus, be part of my life. And then get in touch through the chat, through a contact card, whatever it is, get in touch with us, and we'd love to actually help you start that journey. Amen. Being relevant. The Jews had to be taught that Christ was relevant to their mistaken beliefs of the nature of the Messiah. The Greeks had to be taught that the Christ was the unknown God that was real and relevant to their future. And now it falls on us through the help of the Holy Spirit to teach the world that the gospel is relevant to everyone. We must let the mind of the master be the master of our minds so that we may lead some to Christ. We must be in the right place at the right time saying the right thing to the right people to bring about a right response and repentance towards God. We must be relevant. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23 For though I am free from all people, 
I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may gain more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might gain Jews. To those who are under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being under the law myself, so that I might gain those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, I became as one without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I may gain those who are without the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might gain the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker in it. Let's just reflect on that for a moment. In 1520, Martin Luther, the great reformer in Germany, wrote a treatise called The Freedom of the Christian. He began it with this paradox. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Let me read that again. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. And then he explained, these two theses seem to contradict each other. But both are Paul's own statements, who says in 1 Corinthians 9.19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. And in Romans 13.8, Owe no one anything except to love one another. Love by its very nature is ready to serve. Love by its very nature is ready to serve. And be subject to him who is loved. So Paul's strategy is love. It's the DNA of Christ. Love. It's exactly what he said in Galatians 5.13. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Use your freedom to love by serving. That's what Paul says he's doing here in verse 19. Though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave or servant to all. That's what Paul and Jesus mean by love. It's action as well as attitude. In freedom, for love's sake, you try to overcome unnecessary alienating differences that cut you off from unbelievers. In the context of a missionary to another culture, in freedom, for love's sake, you learn the language and translate the Bible. In freedom, for love's sake, you eat dinner together the way they eat dinner. My wife, who is amazing in so many different ways, was amazing to the Chinese people because she could eat chicken's feet the way they do. 
And they loved her for that. They loved her for the fact that she could strip off a, a, a chilled chicken's foot. Um, and and I'm, I'm sorry, just, I just looked at that and thought, no, no, thanks. <laughs> I'll pass. But they loved her for that. And freedom, for love's sake, you dress pretty much like they do. In freedom, for love's sake, you get into their politics, their sports, their business. I've used the missionary context here. But the same strategies apply when dealing with different cultures here around us. If you want to talk about a different culture, teenage culture. It's different. It's very different. And I, every day I struggle to understand the teenage culture and I have to ask questions and they laugh at me because I get it wrong. But they do appreciate the fact that I'm trying. And in the same context, we need to preach the gospel in a way that they can understand. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. That kind of love is always relevant. But... All the while, you keep a vigilant watch of your heart to see if you are in the law of Christ, to make sure that the gospel is not watered down and not made false. So here are two tests of how you're doing in this delicate balancing act. Are you becoming more worldly-minded than they are becoming spiritually-minded? If so, you've probably crossed the line of the law of Christ. Christ does not call you to lose your holiness, but to gain their holiness. Is your passion for winning your friends and family growing, or is it shrinking as you become all things to them? If it's shrinking, then you are not in the law of Christ at that point. Christ died to set us free, free from the wrath of God and free from the loveless limits of the law, free for love and eternal life. Are we using our freedom to make this good news plain and relevant? Or are we so separatistic that we have no connection with unbelievers? Or are we so worldly that they don't know we have anything radically different to offer. Lord, I'm praying, grant us the freedom, grant us the use of our freedom to become the servants of all, that we might by all means save some while maintaining your holiness. You must be relevant. How, you ask? Well, let me give you four things to work on. Because like Julian last week, I'm a teacher and I love homework. Or at least I love giving it. A few people have now switched off because I mentioned that word. Please come back, come back. The attitude of relevance. Be authentic. The strategy of relevance. Say and be things that help people. The language of relevance. Be excellent in all things. 
the humility and humbleness of relevance. Be a lifelong learner. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of bringing success. In all things, we must be moved by the Spirit from being dull to the people around us to becoming sharper, more effective, wise, and relevant. So be authentic. Be yourself. If you'll pardon the pun, leave the mask at the door. As I've been overseas, there were times where there would be people that would walk into the church as self-proclaimed prophets and apostles. And you could spot them a mile off. And you could tell that they were phony. You could tell that they didn't have the backing. People can smell a phony. Teenagers, oh my goodness, they can smell a phony. A mile off. So we must be authentic. We must be ourselves with the kids that I work with. I'm real about my struggles. But like King David in the Psalms, I always bring it back to God's provision in my weakness. Let's be real. If there's one thing I could do and snap my fingers and change, it would be allowing people in church to share what's going on with them without fear. Because I know myself, there are times when I wanted to share and I needed help and I was too afraid to actually ask for it. That needs to change. But that's another sermon. Be real. Make sure that everything you do and say on a Sunday is relevant and continuing with you on Monday and the rest of the week. So, for instance, great worship becomes... I'm going to be singing those songs at work and at home. I had a young lady once and she wanted to go to church and her parents were dead against it. And I said to her, well, you know, and she she was aware that the Bible says, honor your parents. So we prayed and God dropped this thought into our minds. And the next Sunday she said, okay, mom, dad, I won't go to church because you've told me that you don't want me to go to church And then at the top of her lungs, she sang gospel songs the entire morning and quoted scripture throughout the house. They let her go to church the next week. Yes. Sing those songs at work and at home. (laughs) What you're learning right now, are you planning to use it to make changes this week? Are you going to walk out with a plan of what you're going to do to change something this week? Because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Are you speaking words of life to people and also planning to ring them during the week to speak some more? That's one I have to work on. Be authentic. Be yourself. Share your DNA. People will love you for it. Say and be things that help people. My point about the midweek phone call works for this as well. 100% pray for people. 
But if there's physical things you can do to help as well, then do them. All right? If somebody walks past you and says, I'm so cold, and you say, I'll pray for you, brother, give them a jacket. <laughs> Julian mentioned last week about Richmond View School giving out parcels to those who are stuck at home. Fantastic. Light up people's lives. It had the unexpected benefit of um, some baking being sent to school as well. So that's not why you do it, but it was um, definitely worth it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being really bad right now. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. It's just it's the cake. The cake keeps playing in my mind. <sighs> help me, God. Say and be things that help people. Have you listened enough to know what they truly need? Have you listened to them? I listened to a missionary speak once about her work in Manila. And they went to these I can't, like shanty towns, whatever you want to call them, where there's like open guttering with things flowing down it that yeah, I'm sure you can fill in the picture. And they went to the, to the leaders of that particular community and they said, we want to help you. And, and they thought, we'll give them blankets, we'll, we'll give them food, we'll give them... Do you know what they asked for? They asked for a soccer field. They wanted a place cleared where they could put a soccer field. Because what they really wanted was a place that they could gather together as a community and be with each other and actually iron sharpening iron, strengthen each other in that context. Have we actually listened enough to know what people really need? Now, I'm going to pause for a second here to give you a chance to make a plan for what you could do this week for someone. Yes, I'm getting that practical. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. I'm just going to think about it myself for a second here, but get a pen and paper or whatever and write it down. And then tell somebody else to make sure that you do it. Yep, I'm serious. I'm waiting. Write it down. All right. Be excellent in all things. Excellence is always relevant, and it's a language that communicates relevance. Now, some people might argue against that and say that excellence is not important. But the next minute they go on and they actually prove it by wanting to listen to excellent music, look at excellent art, have excellent internet access, while they enjoy an excellent coffee. And yes, that's me. A long time ago I went to Easter camp down south and I can still remember when we were being talked to as leaders as we were getting into it, how the leadership of the camp said, that they had discovered that if they let the camp get rubbishy, with, with rubbish everywhere, the behaviour of the kids started to deteriorate. So they had a 24-7 team who were working right through the day and night to keep the place tidy. Excellence. Now I can tell you from my own classroom, the instant it starts to get messy, behaviour starts to go out the window. So there's a shout out there, to those who keep the church and its grounds clean and tidy. You're awesome. Thank you, those people. 
and let's help them as much as we can and get involved in that sort of thing too. Now, excellence is not perfectionism, where you beat yourself up if you don't think you've done a good enough job. Excellence is also not performance, where you get up there and you think, I hope somebody's noticing me doing this. Excellence is not fear of man that brings a snare where you feel you have to do something or else you're going to get yelled at. Excellence says that this is important to you, and if Christ is important to you, then you will be excellent at work for his glory, excellent at home for his glory, excellent wherever you are, whatever you are doing, so that he might be glorified. You see, I'm personally thinking of upgrading the clothes I come to church in, but I'm reluctant to because then I might have to apply that to work and start wearing a tie. So pray for me and, and I'll pray for you. Be a lifelong learner. Some say, church, Bible courses, I don't need them. <laughs> Can I be a bit rude and say, if you don't need them, maybe you should be running one? Get out there and take one. I think I prefer to go to one personally. <laughs> no, no, you should step into leadership. Don't listen to me. Take them and help others. Be a lifelong learner. Every time I look at the Bible, I find things that I didn't see before. It's like layers and layers and layers. I model learning in my classroom, and kids love to teach me stuff. They line up in the morning to tell me things. And I go, ooh and ah, over all of them, even if it's some gross thing about a ribbon worm that I don't even want to see that picture, thanks very much. And no, the video is even more disgusting. Dan, if you're out there, I'm talking to you. But kids love to teach me stuff. It also helps me stay relevant to their culture and see what's important to them and able to talk to, them, talk to them in a way they understand. But in all these things, learn first from the Bible. Go to the source. I remember we had sermons about digging wells. Dig those wells in the Bible itself. Go to the source. Very famous pastor in the Guangzhou area in China, Pastor Lam, he was snuck out across the border into Hong Kong. And they took him to a Christian bookstore, something he had never laid eyes on before. And they were expecting him to be really impressed by all of these Christian books on the walls everywhere. And he turned around and he said, with all of these books, how do you know which one is right? I would prefer to just read the Bible. Ouch. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't read books. There are a lot of great books out there that teach you things and they actually help you to get a better understanding of what you're looking at. But in all things, all preaching, everything that you hear, bring it back to the source. Bring it back to the Bible. And when you pray, and this is one I wish I'd learned a lot sooner, when you pray, learn by listening. When we pray, we have this tendency to think we need to keep talking. But no, as my grandmother said, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. So you listen twice as much as you speak. Listen to God. Own the gospel and you'll look after it and make sure it is preached correctly. 
Own the gospel and you'll invite people to hear it. Own the gospel and people will feel welcomed by it. Own the gospel and you will make it relevant to everyone. The attitude of relevance. Be authentic. Be yourself. The strategy of relevance. Say and be things that help people and bring them to Christ. The language of relevance. Be excellent in all things. The humility of relevance. Be a lifelong learner. Now, if you want some prayer, if you want to be in touch with us through the chat or through contact or anything like that, please do. We are a community. We're here for you. We need each other. If there's something on your heart, get prayer. If there's a physical need, ask. We're here for you. Relevance, the attitude, the strategy, the language, the humility. What comes after this? What comes after this? What comes after making the love for God and love for our neighbor part of our every DNA? Well, I'm glad you asked. What comes next? Breakthrough. Revival. Renewal. The power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Be here next week for more. Let's pray. Lord, we are asking for breakthrough, revival, renewal, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Strengthen us, Lord. Strengthen us to look after the house. Strengthen us to invite people to it. Strengthen us to be able to make them feel welcome. Strengthen us, Lord, to have your thoughts to be able to make it relevant so that everyone sees their need for Christ. I pray right now, Lord, for every single one of us that you would help us to have breakthrough, revival, renewal, the power of God within us far more than anything else before. I pray, Lord, that we would be a part of the solution. Help us this day. Be in us and through us so that we might win those to Christ. And this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, who is over everything. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.